For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, click Grainger.com, or just stop by. Granger For the ones who get it done. Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. What's up, everyone, and welcome to another edition of Believe in Falcons. I'm your host, Will McFadden. You can follow me on Twitter, at Will McFadden. Please head over to our YouTube channel, same name, and check out our video content. You will find today's conversation with Kevin Knight of The Falcoholic and our friends over at Dirty Birds and Brews podcast on the Believe Podcast Network. You can find our conversation live on video on our YouTube channel, Believe in Falcons. So please be sure to go check that out and uh, give a follow while you're over there. Um, But yeah, so Kevin is going to be joining the show today. We're going to talk a little bit about the Recent um, injury to Avery Williams. Um, As you guys know, if you've been following the podcast, I've been out for a little bit. So I know that's old news um, relatively, but we want to touch on that um, since I've been away. My my plan was to come back last week and then I got sick. I had literally no voice, um, absolutely no voice. It's still a little bit strained right now, so I may not sound as as great as I usually do. If if I sound great at all, I have no idea. Um, But We're going to dive into that before kind of touching on four tiers. And I I was trying to think of the right way to do this exercise. But basically, I wanted to rank how important the Falcons main starters and rotational guys were in case they had to be lost to injury. And of course, nobody ever wants that to happen. You hate to see a guy get hurt. I mean, unfortunately, I've been there in person watching practices when it happens and it is devastating. It's an awful, awful scene. So no, we definitely don't want that to happen, but it's a reality. And it's a reality at this time of the year that the Falcons have already experienced. So Kevin and I go through four different tiers. And to make this a little bit more fun, I've named those tiers after Michael Scott quotes. So fans of The Office, there you go. You're in luck. Uh, Ovi and I love that show. So we're keeping that spirit alive. Ovi will be back soon. Don't you guys worry. And then, of course, when we get into training camp and the, uh, the full go of the season, he will be back on a weekly basis. Um, with all of us. So so you have that looking or have that to look forward to. Um, and then you have my conversation with uh, Kevin Knight to look forward to. But first, BetOnline is your number one source for all of the championship finals, info, stats, news, and scores you need. Get the latest odds and lines and the latest matchup reports for this year's NBA and Stanley Cup finals. BetOnline is your sports intel headquarters this season and they have you covered for all your insider sports wagering needs, from basketball and hockey to the Major League Baseball, UFC, and boxing. The fastest and easiest way to get your betting info, including live betting options and your favorite casino and card games, which are available to play right from your home. So get in on the action today and head to the website or use your mobile device to join. And be sure to use our promo code BELIEVE, that's B-L-E-A-V, to receive your 50% bonus on your very first deposit. Bet online, where the game starts. All right, before we get to my conversation with Kevin, 
Just want to touch on uh, a little bit of news and notes from mandatory minicamp. So Kyle Pitts, uh, Caleb Huntley won't be back in minicamp, but um, Arthur Smith did say that he is, um, you know, encouraged by the progress that they are making. Um, Eddie Goldman, Avery Williams, also not going to be there. Of course, we know why Avery Williams will not be there because his season is over with an ACL injury. Eddie Goldman, um, also not going to be at mandatory minicamp. Um, but yeah, the quote uh, Michael Rothstein had on Twitter from uh, Arthur Smith said he, quote, feels good about where he's at, end quote, about Kyle Pitts, um, which is obviously great news because the Falcons are going to need him back and healthy to be a key central part of this year's offense that, as Kevin and I will get into here in just a second, is going to really rely and need those three guys to be healthy. The three, of course, being Kyle Pitts alongside Drake London and Bijan Robinson. That is going to be their kind of three-headed monster. But don't forget about Cordero Patterson. And that's something that Arthur Smith touched on as well. I think that now that Cordero Patterson is not going to have to shoulder a bunch of the workload offensively, they're going to be really creative in how they can unleash and, and use him. And he could be a little bit like a you know, an effective closer where now he's kind of that. All right, he's the cherry on top type of piece instead of somebody where when you're, you know, needing to rely on somebody in a lot of innings in a lot of uh, you know different situations, they can start to lose their effectiveness. But if you're able to really pick and choose when you want to call on them and put them in great spots, he can really go to town. And so I think that that's what you're going to see from the Falcons and Cordero Patterson is he's going to be a little bit of that, that knight or rook on the chessboard that can really swing things um, in your favor, as opposed to somebody who needs to carry the ball 28 times. And that's just a little bit of a different mindset and mentality going into uh, to a game when you know that that's the ask versus um, everything else. And then the other thing that really kind of, I think, stood out to me was some of the comments about Bud Dupree just, you know, Arthur Smith kind of saying that he's a tone setter and that you really feel um, you feel him out there. And then the other was what David Onyemata had to say about the defensive line as a whole, which has a lot of new faces, but um, saying that it's still Grady's group and that quote uh, Tory McLaney had. Uh, so I think that that's telling. It's obviously we have said for years that Grady Jarrett is far and away kind of the captain. I think if if you want to get all college football movie on it and say the team captain, you know, yes, he probably is is in that role right now. And for a guy like David Onyemata, who has been on a defensive line that let's not kid ourselves, has been way more successful than the Falcons uh, in that same stretch that Grady has been here. The New Orleans defensive line has been far and away better. So David Onyemata could be coming in here with essentially not essentially with his former defensive line coach as the defense coordinator here and kind of say, look, big dog, this is my group now. But no, that's that's not what the respect that Grady Jarrett has has earned. Um, has afforded him way more than that. And dudes around the league respect the hell out of Grady Jarrett as they should. Um, so those were kind of some of the news that came out of the press conference uh, today at the mandatory minicamp practice in Mercedes Benz Stadium. As I record this on Tuesday, it's 6.55 p.m. So. Another mini camp practice coming Wednesday may have already occurred by the time you hear this, but those are the notes from Tuesday. All right, that's it. Let's get into my conversation with Kevin Knight. 
It is my absolute pleasure to be joined now by Kevin Knight, who you can follow on Twitter at Falcala Kevin. You can also find him as the host of the Dirty Birds and Brews podcast, which you can find on Twitter at Falcolic Live. So whole situation there. Uh, Kevin, you can explain it more if you care, but uh, how you doing, buddy? Thank you so much for joining me today. Thank you for having me back. Yeah, no, it's that think that pretty much covers it. You know, Fal- at Falcoholic Live, Dirty Birds and Brews, Falcoholic Live, all that good stuff. You know, we're all sort of under the same umbrella these days. But uh, yeah, doing good. Uh, it's been a minute. I know we've been both taking our respective vacations, but as we are uh, getting, getting into the dead period here, the people need something to get them through until uh, training camp starts. So we're here to oblige. That's true. I mean, it, it's like drinking from a fire hose. I think early on, like draft season, free agency, all of that, everything's coming hot and fast. But then when you get to this dead period, it really stretches the creativity. And we haven't been in the most creative mode kind of in the lead up because, again, everything is just coming at you. You're just playing, uh, you know, catch up and really scrambling to keep up with all of the free agency news, all of the random Schefter reports. And so, yeah, you kind of need a a break just to like catch your breath after after that's done. But also, I needed just to like read. I needed just to get some inspiration. I needed to kind of like think about some things differently than just, oh, okay, this roster move happened. So like, what can this guy guy do, and where does he fit in to the piece of it all? Um, so I, I do think that that's you know a great way to kind of put it as. All right, we took a break, but now this is the dead period. We got to be creative. We got to come back and do this. Unfortunately for the Falcons, but you know, from a content standpoint, if we're looking at it for that lens, the Avery Williams injury recently did spark the idea that we're going to uh, ultimately be talking about today, and that is who are the players that the Falcons can kind of least afford to lose this season, and like where do the bulk of the starters and guys who are going to see most of the playing time fall in kind of a hierarchy. And I sent you four tiers that we categorized by Michael Scott quotes. Uh, So if you're fans of The Office, that's how we're going to have them broken down. Um, But before we get into all of that, Kevin, what were your first thoughts when you saw the Avery Williams injury that happened uh, a little while back, but obviously will play a big role moving forward this season? Yeah, I mean, I, I obviously hate it for Avery Williams. Um, this is a guy that I think was sort of making himself indispensable by agreeing to play basically any position that they wanted. You know, he came in as yeah. a corner from the for the previous regime, um, then switched to running back last year. Uh, still played, I think, a couple of corner snaps when they absolutely needed it, um, <laughs> proving that he still had the ability to do that. And then this year they were having him play uh, practice with the receivers. So it seemed like they were sort of making him their Obviously, he's their primary uh, punt returner and was one of the best in the league at it, which is where the blow is going to really be felt. Um, But also, they had him playing all these positions and filling all these depth roles. And I think that's really valuable that you have a guy in a pinch that is going to be active on game days that can fill in on defense, special teams, and on offense in multiple roles and basically do whatever you need him to do and just give you that guy, give you a reliable piece that maybe isn't going to be a huge needle mover, but as someone you can rely on and, and that depth can be important if you get into a very difficult situation with game day injuries. And obviously that the biggest blow will be at returner where he was the NFL's best punt returner in terms of punt return average over 16 yards per punt return. Yep. So that's going to, that's going to suck uh, to lose him. <laughs> but for, for Williams, I think the good news is that he's still really young and that he's clearly 
made himself indispensable to the coaching staff. Uh, I don't, for a lot of guys, this sort of injury could be catastrophic to their chances of sticking around in the NFL. And I think for Avery Williams, he'll have, he'll have a very good opportunity to, to get back on his feet, recover and come back strong next year. Um, so fortunately for him, I think he's in a pretty good position um, for his NFL future that this is not an injury that's going, that's likely to, to ruin his, his career, uh, which is fortunate but it obviously sucks anytime you lose a guy uh, to, to an ACL tear. Thankfully, not the catastrophic career-ending injury it used to be 10 years ago, right. 20 years ago, but still something that just takes a long time to heal. So, I still, uh, what was it? It wasn't the Benchwarmers. Maybe it was the Benchwarmers. Uh, that movie where, uh, god-awful movie with Dave Keckner, but a seal Terry. And they just kept calling him ACL tear. I always, I mean, it's horrible, <laughs> right? But but you're right. It's no longer the catastrophic injury that it once was. So we hope for sure a speedy recovery for Avery Williams. And having it this early in the year, like he will be far and away ready to go next season um, come training camp. But it's saying something that he maybe would win the versatility award on a team that is defined by its versatility. And I think the work ethic, you can just clearly hear when Arthur Smith talks about Avery Williams, how much appreciation he does have for that kind of like bring your uh, lunch pail to work mentality that he does uh, come to the office with and that mentality of, again, just I'm willing to do whatever it takes. And the more you can do is a very common refrain in the NFL. And so, like you said, I really think that Avery Williams does have a future in this league because of that. And he's always a player that they always wanted like one or two looks for him a game. And that stood out to me. It was a quick screen or it was just some small way to get him involved, which I do think spoke to their genuine interest in maybe involving him as an offensive piece. Do you think that will continue the next time we see Avery Williams if they continue to build up the offense? Like give it one more offseason, give them more resources. Bijan, we have a season with like, when he comes back, is there still that opportunity for Avery Williams in your mind, or may that surpass him and he's more of, of a pure special teams guy? It seems like they they want him to be able to play all these positions. I don't know that he's ever going to be someone that's a someone that's going to demand touches at running back or receiver, but they right. I think they like his ability to take those carries in the situation where they have injuries at the position. They seem comfortable they seemed comfortable making him the running back four. He did have to carry the ball a little bit throughout mm-hmm. the season caught some passes um but yeah I, I it's possible he can improve there um you, seeing how talented he is as a returner you have to think that there's something there on the offensive side of the ball too with a guy like Cordero Patterson it took almost his entire career before somebody figured <laughs> out how to effectively utilize him as, as a running back but clearly that talent was always there um so I, I think that there's certainly that path for Avery Williams but uh you know the team is going to try to find a replacement in terms of offensive capability, you know, in terms of the the punt return ability, they're probably going to look for someone that can fill the gap this year. Um, mm-hmm. And we'll see. We'll see what it looks like going into next season. Um, luckily, they do have UCF legend Mike Hughes, who was <laughs> maybe the best returner in college football his uh, his final season. Yeah, uh, so great. they do actually have an in-house option there. Um, so maybe that'll end up being a really smart move, right? Having a guy that is... Uh, waiting in the wings with that sort of uh, return ability and is able to fill in uh, for Williams until he comes back. Yeah, it's. I mean, it's very important to have that uh, depth versatility for sure, which is, to your point, exactly the best case for Avery Williams as a valuable member of any roster, right? Being able to not only be your starting punt returner 
and a, a kick returner, but also have this position versatility on your offense, kind of like a swing offensive lineman. And yeah, they're going to miss that. So it'll be interesting to see how they kind of approach building those last couple of, of depth pieces at wide receiver at running back without him um, in the mix. But let's talk about a lot of players who are fortunately, for the time being, knock on wood, still very healthy. And I am honestly just caught or uh, a little bit cautious about approaching this topic because I know a lot of people out there are very superstitious when it comes to injuries and they just want to stay away from that topic altogether. Uh, and this time of year, the most important thing is just stay healthy. So I want to get all of that uh, out in front. But we're going to try to slot um, the Falcons starters and, and rotation players into the four tiers I mentioned earlier. The four tiers are as followed. And these four tiers are going to be kind of quotes based on um, how difficult it would be for the team to move forward if they lost a player in kind of this this tier. So tier one is insurmountable, which, uh, you know, I should have looked up the seasons in which and the episodes <laughs> in which Michael Scott said all of this. But, you know, insurmountable. That's a that's a quote. You just got to trust me on that. And basically, the way I define this is any player in this category who gets injured could ruin the team's playoff chances. All right. So that's tier one. Tier two is this is the worst. And this would seriously impact the team's playoff chances, but not by itself ruin it. Tier three is everyone here is extremely gruntled, which is, you know, he's talking to David Wallace and he's saying people sound disgruntled. So, you know, a little bit of a positive spin, but also gruntled has always struck me as a, a negative <laughs> word. So that's kind of felt fitting. <laughs> yeah. uh, so this this is defined by me as a blow to the team, but overcomable. So, you know, you don't want too many of these injuries because they will drag you down. But one or two, you could probably overcome and still be in good shape. And then tier four, there's such thing as good grief. Just ask Charlie Brown. So this is obviously you hate to see injuries anytime they happen, but Maybe this is an opportunity for somebody else to get a look on the roster. By and large, you know, you're not too, too worried about it, even though this is could be a rotational player, mostly. Um, so those are the four tiers. Any thoughts initially on, on those four tiers? Is, should we add another? Are these too many? What are your thoughts, Kevin? No, I think four is good. I think, well, you know, you'll see probably it'll get more players as we go down. Like the top tier probably have the fewest and then we'll, it'll sort of spread out more and more, which, you know, if you make your roster the right, the right way, in theory, you know, you, you shouldn't you shouldn't have too many players that are just completely uh, going to going to crush you. And you should have more players that are at least you could find some some sort of level of replacement. So I think by the end of this, we'll, we'll have a pretty good idea of where, where the roster stands and how much the depth has actually improved uh, since last year. You know, you've you've been doing this subtle thing, which I, I'm finally thankful that I've picked up on, you know, as I told you how I planned on approaching this, you wanted to just be like, that's a stupid idea. Don't do it this way. You should do it this way. And now I've got it. We're going to go by tiers. So we're going to start at tier one and I'm just going to list my guys. Then you can list yours. We'll figure out if there are any discrepancies. Um, but I have four players in tier one. How many players do you have, Kevin? I just I'm curious before I, I even start four. naming names. I want to see how close we are on. I try to be really, really harsh in my grading for this. Yeah, I, I have eight in tier one. And then I think I also have I think I have nine in tier two. OK, um, so I've got significantly more 
in tier two. So why don't you, or I'll give you my, my four in tier one, mm-hmm. because I assume that you've got AJ Terrell as my number one overall. Chris mm-hmm. Lindstrom, Grady Jarrett, Jesse Bates are my four yes, in tier of- one where I think an injury to those guys. And it's really, I think, puts a, a huge dent. And I'm categorizing these injuries as kind of like season engine ending injuries, not just like they're out for two games. That's yeah, important yeah, to think- say. It's like if they're yeah. done for the year kind of deal. Yeah, yeah. Because it's going to be hard to basically the idea is if, if these guys were not available for the season, it would drastically shift the the way we right. think about the team the defense the offense yes uh and for both like on and off field reasons you know i think obviously grady Jarrett is the leader of the defense mm-hmm. so he's in there for me terrell jesse bates um and i think chris lindstrom was also there right for you yep um i think that was the four you had yeah so then the four that i had all in addition to that were kyle pitts drake london uh Bijan robinson and jake matthews uh because i think the tackle depth is very scary so and I, yes. I think typically yep. you can it's easier to replace a right tackle than a left tackle. So that's why I have Matthews up there. Um, so those were the ones I have in addition, because I think. It you, you, the, the offense as currently constructed uh, is sort of extremely reliant upon Pitts in London to be stars uh, because they just don't have a lot of depth behind those guys. So I mm-hmm. think those two would be catastrophic blows. Uh, if they were to miss significant time. So I would add them in there. And then I think Bijan is such a going to be a key piece to like lifting this team into actual high level of competitiveness that yeah. I, I think by the end of the season, we'll look at him as one of those indispensable players. But that's an aggressive ranking for me because we haven't seen him play a snap yet. So the your explanation for that is so spot on with where my head was. And to be candid, I had at one time Jake Matthews in tier one. I had at one time Drake London in tier one, I did not have Bijan or Kyle Pitts at either point, because as much as it was hard last year and sucked without Kyle Pitts on the field, you know, I, I think that I trust this coaching staff so much on the offensive side of the ball, especially to figure out a way to at least cobble something together that can be average. And I think that, you know, if, if these players go out early if you lose Kyle Pitts for a full season, that's obviously going to be a huge blow. But can they figure out a way to change this offense in some way? I would trust them to maybe do that. But obviously, like you could argue against that and say, no, this offense is largely built around <laughs> a player like Kyle Pitts. So how could you take that out for an extended period of time? To me, Drake London is the is the bigger one. And it's why I had him in there, because wide receiver, there's just such a huge gap between Drake London and everybody else. So I don't disagree with with any of of your four additions there. I think Jake Matthews, your argument for that makes a lot of sense. Um, So, yeah, I mean, like, I I think that those players are obviously in my tier two. Um, So I'm curious, how about give me how many players you said you had nine in your tier two? Yep. Okay. Mm -hmm. Um, go ahead and give me your nine. Yeah, no, on the Pitts, London, Bijan thing, I think you brought up a good point. I think. You, you could probably afford to lose one. But right. that's it. Yeah. <laughs> Anything and, more. So that's like, yes. I feel like any one of them would be really bad, but you know, not, it would be like tier two level, but if it was more than one, then it becomes that they're all tier one level. Because we've not so, seen them all yeah. together yet before. And that is yeah. the Bijan part of it where I was like, I really wanted to put him in tier one. But again, I haven't seen it yet. And, and if he's not tier one next year, then I think 
things have gone a little bit askew yeah, with that yeah. pick because that's the assumption is that like this year he's tier one that he puts him over the top. But I saw this team win seven games the last two years without him. We saw this team win seven games without Drake London. Then they added Drake London, but they lost Kyle Pitts for the last little bit. And Drake London came on strong without it. So it's kind of like we want to see them all together. And my hope yeah. is that with all of them together, they do really well. But I've seen this offense without one of these pieces. So it's hard for me to say losing one of them is automatically like a disqualifier in my mind from serious playoff contention. If that makes sense. Yeah, I think. No, I think it's more like that's the team is special with these guys. And if they lose more than one of them, they become very average. I don't know. Maybe in this NFC South, that's still enough to get to the playoffs. For sure. But yeah, uh, yeah. But I, I think. You could make an argument for for both, and I think having that's maybe like tier one point five, you know, like, and then if yeah. you get if you lose more than one, then it becomes catastrophic. But we're just you know we're not going to entertain that, you know, we're we're all <laughs> we're all positive here. But yeah, tier two, I had nine, um, so I have Desmond Ritter in two, um, Tyler Algier, uh, Caleb McGarry, and Drew Dahlman, and then on the defensive side, I have Clay's Campbell, David Anyamada, Caden Ellis, and I actually threw Jeff Akuda in here because I'm pretty high on what his contributions are going to be. And then the last one, young way coup, baby. Uh, so <laughs> because I, I don't know, like we've seen teams, the Falcons are one of the teams that has been better at getting kickers when they've needed them. But yeah, I, you also see it go really badly for a lot of teams. So I'm not necessarily banking on, they're just going to be able to find another kicker if anything were to happen to coup. So coup, we love you, buddy. Uh, so keep, keep kicking, please. So I actually didn't include um, special teams players in this. <laughs> In I just threw Koo in because I love Koo. Yeah. Right. However, I totally agree with this. I would put him in tier one if it were up to me. Everybody who follows me on Twitter at Will McFadden knows the uh, the love that I have for Young Way Koo. I think it is a crime, an absolute crime that they made him give away number seven, even though it's going to be John Robinson, justice for Young Way Koo and number seven. Um, so I totally agree. I am very intrigued. We've got some some discrepancies here. And I want to start with Desmond Ritter, who I have in tier three. So make your case for him seriously impacting the team's playoff chances, because all I've heard for the last you know month and a half is that he is the big question mark right now, potentially holding them back from the playoffs. So, you know, can both be true at the same time? Well, it depends on your opinion of Desmond Ritter, probably um, based on the trust that they've put into Desmond Ritter. Clearly, at this point, I think they view they would view him as this tier two caliber player. Um, so I'm going with what they seem to think. Um, and also because I think Taylor Heineke is a solid player. We'll get to him soon um, in the rankings. But I don't I think with Taylor Heineke, the ceiling of this team is like eight wins, nine wins at most. Which is fine. Um, I think it's better than Marcus Mariota, certainly, but it's it's not a high ceiling because Taylor Heineke is sort of a high variance player and he's fun. I, I don't think it would be boring at all with Taylor Heineke as the quarterback. <laughs> so at least we'll have sure. that. Yeah. But um, you know, the consistency with Heineke is not always there. I think he likes to take risks, which I think is a much better fit than Marcus Mariota was. But um with the Desmond Ritter thing, it's really it is a question mark, but I think based on how they view Ritter. I think they would consider him to be this tier two guy. Uh, so, so I'm going off of the assumption that Ritter is an, 
is like an average NFL starter. Like maybe I'm expecting by the end of the year, we'll think of him as like the 16th ish quarterback in the NFL, which is way better than most people seem to think. But it, he doesn't have to do a whole lot to get there because that last that like, you know, 20 to 30 range of quarterbacks. Yeah, is just it's all utterly really replaceable guys. So, um, you know, I, I don't think he necessarily has to light the world on fire to get there. Um, so like if he had played the entire season at, at the pace he was going in, you know, when he started winning games at the end of this year, I think we'd probably have him higher. People would think better of him. Uh, so that's sort of where I land on Ritter. I, I'm sort of assuming that it will work out to at least like a, a solid level. Um, and, you know, you met you. We talked about the weapons up top, right? If those guys are right. there, like wh- how much do they really need him to do? They just need to get he, he just needs to get the ball out there. Um, he's, you know, not going to have to throw those guys open necessarily. So, yeah. And I think that's part of the reason why. And I had him at the very top of my tier three. So it, it's like he's right again on that on that cusp for me. But because we're talking about an offense where you're probably you just need a little bit of a distributor um, in this offense. I think that that's a little bit more overcomable if he's not in there. Like, and I also think that if they they brought in Taylor Heineke and they're paying him, you know, a lot of money because they believe that he can potentially be more than just that spot starter. So it sounds like they already feel like they have that solution in place. But I definitely think that they could build an offense friendly enough for a late edition quarterback who comes in here, you know, week six, week seven because things are not working out as you need, or you have an injury and things are not working out as you need. Like, I, again, I just have a high level of trust. So maybe I'm being a little bit, maybe I'm devaluing the offensive players a little bit because of that, because I just feel like, okay, maybe the ingredients themselves are not as important as the chef putting it all together. Um, well, yeah, yeah. Marcus but, Mariota, there was a top 10 offense with Marcus Mariota for the first seven weeks. So Exactly. But I mean, <laughs> they to can your make point, it work with him, right? <laughs> to your point, Taylor Heineke doesn't have that one special skill that, that Marcus Mariota had that doesn't even, Desmond Ritter doesn't even have, which is that kind of weird speed where you're like, oh, wow, that, yeah, that is fast. I didn't realize he could be that fast, like that kind of speed. Um, so I would be really curious to see what it looks like with Taylor Heineke back there. And I, I think they could do it. Um, a couple others who I have in, or actually, let me let me give you the rest of my tier two, and then we'll get to the guys who mm-hmm. I have in tier three, who you have in tier two. Um, so I've got, uh, yeah, a good bit of of discrepancy here. So Lorenzo Carter, uh, was he in, there's one player that I missed. So if I say his name and you're like, he was in my tier two, just let me know. Um, Lorenzo Carter, Janu Smith, Richie Grant, Arnold Epicady, Bud Dupree, and then Troy Anderson. And my reasoning is different for each one, but are there any on that list that really just kind of immediately jumps out as like, what the hell are you thinking, dude? No, no, I, I think those guys are all in tier three for me. Um, so it's not not surprising. Um, I think at Edge in particular, they're just they have so many guys that they're not necessarily gonna be like Lorenzo Carter last year, if he had missed time, it would have been like, okay, well, now we're playing. You know, we're calling up somebody off the practice squad. Uh, now it's mm-hmm. like, oh, okay, well, we could put Bud Dupree on the field, you know, and I don't think he's going to be, you know, peak career Bud Dupree or even like mid Bud Dupree, but I think he'll be like better than any depth player the Falcons had last year and they'll be okay because they just have the depth. Um, but my yeah, pushback I mean, I, to that specific though is that like the Falcons, I think they're 
banking on that depth to be their pass rush production, right? And so if you start losing the depth, then you just have like a, a handful of guys, right? And now they've got like two handfuls of guys and they can like yeah. throw a handful of guys at you and then throw another handful of guys at you and hope that one of them hits you. Like if you just start taking away and, and that's why I consider Lorenzo Carter to be maybe the the best right now of like these veteran, just edged, lanky, long pass rushers and Arnold Ebicady to be honestly like the future. And obviously like that's how they, I think are positioning him. And then Bud Dupree, weirdly, like I think that they have a clear vision for how they want to use him. And it's maybe a better role than all, than what we're kind of all expecting right now and what he's had for the last couple of years. So that's my rationale on just those edge guys in particular. But I, I totally get your point about the depth part. Yeah, I I think you could. We're it's so up in the air right now, and then I'm higher on I think D'Angelo Malone potentially taking over um, a spot from somebody by the end of the season. Um, I just think he needed to be playing over Ogan Deji like a lot more <laughs> last year. So yeah. um, it's, it's just like I feel like there's so many edge guys that that they're already going to be fighting for snaps among each other. But I. I yeah, at this point, I mean, based on last year, Lorenzo Carter was the one that by, played the most by far. And I do wonder if they have a more versatile role lined up for him or if he is going to be just a pass rusher this year because last year they had him playing standing up and doing all this stuff. And now I don't know if they're going to be like, okay, we've got we've got the guys behind you now, Carter. You you can just rush the pass. It's okay. Um, so I don't really know what's going to happen there. But because I think I like the depth at edge a lot, mm-hmm. um, I don't know that it would be as catastrophic to lose any one of those edge rushers. But again, you get to the same conversation with the top guys where it's like, if you lose two, then we're in, we're starting to get into big trouble uh, about, about how we're going to be able to keep these guys fresh. So. Yeah, that, I mean, again, that makes a lot of sense. Uh, And I, yeah, it's going to be. The pass rush is always so interesting with this team. And I like, I like the depth that they've built, but it's always been the top end guys for me that, that I've we've been lacking ever since John Abraham. Um, so yeah. that's that's still a, an answer or a question for me. But let's get to tier three. And I've got Calais Campbell in my tier three. I know you had him in tier two, um, but he joins Desmond Ritter in my tier three. I also have Cordero Patterson. I've got Jeff Okuda, uh, who I know you have in tier tier two. Uh, I've got Taquan Graham. I've got Drew Dahlman. Uh, and then I've got Matthew Bergeron, Keith Smith, Jalen Hawkins, Parker Hesse, Mike Hughes, Caden Ellis, Mac Hollins, G- D'Angelo Malone, Caleb Huntley, and Matt Hennessy are all in tier three, which again is everyone here is extremely gruntled, which is a blow to the team, but overcomable, you know, as long as they really don't add up. Yeah, I think I have a lot of similarity with that one. Um, yeah, let me read off the guys I have. I have Heine- I have Heineke in that tier. Uh, okay. Because I do think he's going to be important from a veteran leadership standpoint, as well as being the depth option. Uh, I just Patterson, couldn't figure out where to put him. So he's yeah. not really on my list because I was like, I mean, he's if he, if he has to play, then he's he vaults to like maybe number yeah. like that top it becomes tier, really right? Important. Because like yeah. it's, yeah, you don't have your backup and your backup's yeah. your starter. Like, That's I mean, why I have him in three because it's like, yeah. if you need him, you need him to be there. And if you don't have him, then it's like Logan Woodside is your backup. Right. I, I think that's the right place to have that. him. Yeah. 
Yeah, but then I have, I have Matt Collins, uh, John U. Smith, Parker Hesse, Bergeron and Hennessy, uh, Ebicady and Carter, uh, Eddie Goldman and Taquan Graham in Tier 3 as well, as and then uh, Troy Anderson and punter Bradley Pinion. Uh, because <laughs> Pinion actually was a really good punter last year. Um, so, and I think that's all the guys I had in, in Tier 3. So let's talk about Troy Anderson a little bit, because you've got him in Tier 3, I've got him in Tier 2 but I debated on tier three. I think that the Falcons are putting a lot of chips and stock into Troy Anderson. So that's why I think they are like weirdly investing a lot into him being good. And so that's why I think I bumped him up a little bit because if he isn't, or if he gets hurt and he's not around, I I look around it's like, all right, is Michael Walker a full-time insight? Like they don't seem kind of replicable and Caden Ellis, there is that crossover, but they need two of them. I mean, what are your Troy Anderson thoughts? Do you think that he can ever move into that role where he is like clear tier two, clear, like has that upside and just steals that job this season? Cause I think that's what they're banking on. Yeah. I mean, I think he's going to be the starter next to Caden Ellis. I, I, I think we just swapped Caden Ellis and, and Troy Anderson. I think given how much they paid Ellis, he's the guy right now at Mike that they think is going to be the, the glue. And I think they're hoping Troy Anderson is the guy next to Ellis that they're going to be able to move around and have him do more specialized stuff where he doesn't need to be the primary coverage guy. He doesn't need to drop in zone all the time. Um, but I, I think they they like Ellis and Troy Anderson is sort of this like very similar type of player. These are right. big, yeah. big linebackers, really good blitzers. And Ellis is no slouch as an athlete either. I think he's like an 8.5 RAS or something. Um, you know, you not Trey Anderson's level. Yeah. Uh, but you know, it, to me, it's like, I think they're depending on Ellis and I think Trey Anderson, yeah. they're really hoping. Um, but I think by the end of the year, we could definitely see Anderson as being that tier two type of player because of the depth is not there. I, I also am sort of feeling like they're probably going to bring in another linebacker if they don't like what they have. There's not really like, like if they love Michael Walker, then maybe he's the third linebacker. If they don't, they're probably going to bring in a vet and yeah. probably say goodbye to Michael Walker. I don't know um, because of that 2.7 million that they could get. So um, we'll see. But I, I, I think you could, you could flip flop and you could put both of them in tier two. And again, it's sort of the same thing about with Ritter where it's like, based on what they've done, it seems like they're putting a lot of faith in Troy Anderson right. to be the starter. Um, I just think at linebacker, it's it's uh, it's been sort of a devalue position and it, it kind of was in Dean P's defense. So that's why yeah. I feel like for for Ryan Nielsen's defense, where they've got Pete Werner and Demario D- Davis in New Orleans, you could tell that was a priority for them to get elite mm-hmm. linebackers. And it sort of feels like they almost drafted Troy Anderson for Ryan Nielsen's defense. Like the pick made a lot more sense for this defense than it did for Dean P's defense. So um, I could definitely see the argument for him actually being a tier two most important type of player for them um, just because it's just sort of like we haven't seen it yet. So, you yeah. know, based on his, based on his 2022, it's like, if you lost him, it, it, you'd be losing a high upside guy that, you know, wasn't necessarily playing at a starting caliber level. So it's like how value, how much of a hit is that? But if you're losing the potential for him to be this really good starter next to Ellis, then I could easily see that being a tier two sort of thing. So Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think we just have them flip flopped, but I, I think it's a similar argument. Yeah. We totally have them flip flopped in our in our mind, and maybe it's because yeah. I have a tendency, I think, to overrate draft picks. 
Like, I, I think I do this weird thing where I get so invested in them because you and you do this as I well. Like we spend so much yeah, time, yeah. right? Like watching them as prospects. And then you get like, oh, these are my guys. And then when your team takes one of your guys, you're like, hell yeah, like, let's go. This dude is going to be awesome. I'm going to be a genius. Let's go. However, sometimes that then leads me to believe, believe and invest in maybe a little bit too much like hope in these draft guys where I'm like, well, clearly the team views you know, Troy Anderson is the future Luke Keekley in the middle of this defense. And it's like, no, that's not always the case. Sometimes maybe Dean Pease was the one that banged the drum for Troy Anderson. That would be kind of a weird, uh, you know, I, I don't necessarily seen Dean Pease doing that for Troy Anderson, but you get my <laughs> point. Maybe he's the one that did it. And now you got Ryan Nielsen coming in here and, and things totally change. So that is, that is totally interesting how we have flipped that because I think that like Caden Ellis was kind of brought in here to help bring Troy Anderson along and that mm-hmm. again they speak that language with Ryan Nielsen and, and Kate Nellis right there and there's going to be that familiarity so it was kind of like all right then come in and help the guy who we're really counting on get up to speed quickly with this lingo with this language and and kind of mentor him off on the side because we're really counting on this this young draft pick to to take up and step the rain so I guess we'll see who's right as the as the yeah. season goes along I hope we both yeah. are honestly I hope it's yeah just exactly a, a dynamic no, you duo. mentioned yeah. yeah. No, you mentioned basically my reasoning for Caden Ellis being a little bit higher is because I think he's going to be the one to translate the defense. Like he's going to yeah. be the, the play caller. And that makes a lot of sense. He knows what's going on in the defense. So I think yep. he has added sort of leadership importance that's even separate from his on field contributions, which again could be really good if you go off of his 2022 where he was like the seventh best linebacker according to PFF. So this is that position group, that duo could be the difference between this being like a better defense or like, wow, this defense became really good. Like, yeah. wow, like I can't believe how much better this defense got in one year. And it's because, you know, Troy Anderson flipped the switch. And but Kate like, Ellis yeah, is, 22 you know, to like 15, 14, right? Is yeah. that kind of what yeah. you're thinking about? Like is, okay, yeah, yeah like, yeah. you know, they went from 29, 30, 31 to like 22. Oh, like, like that's a little yeah. bit of a jump. Or it's like, yeah, no, Troy Anderson took a step. Taquan Graham took a step. Like, another step or, or D'Angelo Malone or like one or two of those guys. But certainly it, I think Troy Anderson could have the biggest impact just because of where he's centrally yeah. located there on the field. Um, a couple, a couple other guys that I want to touch on really quickly in tier three that we've got that, you know, are interesting. And I, I don't think the first one is, is Parker Hesse because I know we won't talk long about him, but I, I think a lot of fans would be like, what is it about this Parker Hesse guy? Like, I just don't get it. It's because his his value is such a Swiss army knife in the grunt yeah. work. Like he's a grunt version of a Swiss army knife. That is where he would be. To me, he'd count as a blow to the team. Like it's not yeah. like, oh, it's a, an addition by subtraction. No, he's a valuable member and, and he does a lot of the dirty work really well. I mean, is that kind of the way that you view Parker Hesse for this team? Yeah, it does. I want to pull up. I, I found this earlier and I want to pull it up, but I know... Um, the Falcons, obviously, everyone knows they run a ton of multi tight end sets like it's a thing like they use multiple tight ends almost like as much as any other team, if not more. Yep. Um, so you you look at the breakdown of how they actually distributed their snaps and it would probably surprise a lot of people to know that Parker Hesse, I think, got more snaps than any receiver not named Drake London or Lamade Zacchaeus. Like he played more than any than the third wide receiver drastically. And also, Michael Pruitt played more than any other receiver, uh, yeah. just by a couple snaps. But um, 
you know, that third receiver doesn't play a lot for the Falcons and that third tight end and second tight end play a ton, like as much or more than a primary receiver. So just on volume, I mean, Parker Essie played over 61% of snaps. So that's a lot of production, like a lot of play that you would be losing with Hesse. And I, they trust him to execute so many different blocks to line up all over the place. He's their primary blocking specialist. They don't really have a seasoned guy behind him right from now. Like, so, from like varied yeah. positions. Like he's not just yeah, your typical yeah. inline Y tight end. He's much yeah. more of your like move tight end or, you know, mm-hmm. like an H or an F or however you want to label yeah. your blocking special. Like he's he's kind of a tight end fullback hybrid which is such a great like weapon to have in this specific offense. So again, like that's why he falls in this category because it's such a valuable role in just like an unforeseen way. It doesn't mean other people couldn't do this, you know, like, you know, Kyle Juszczyk can do this and more, but it's still very valuable. Um, I, I think to have, and I, I think that's why we have like Keith Smith in, in kind of this category as well, like similar type of deal did you have matthew bergeron did i hear you say that you have in tier yes three? he was in tier three and okay. that's only because we just don't know what we're there. getting yet where i think if he proves himself as like a really good left guard then i think he he he, he goes up the rankings rises up the rankings is what i was gonna say uh, <laughs> <laughs> but we saw last year that they could they could get it done with one weak link at left guard without too much trouble um that it wasn't really catastrophic for the team and you've got a guy in, in matt hennessy who i think you can trust to be the left guard and it's not going to sink your, your offensive line. Um, so that's why I had him in there too. Cause we don't know who's going to win the starting job at this point. I think we expect it to be Bergeron. I would be surprised if it wasn't Bergeron, but they do have a really reliable interior backup in, in Hennessy that gives you some faith that yeah. it'll be okay. They need to, they need to lean on him. And then the last one, I know we both have Matt Collins in here. Mm-hmm. I, I mean, is he like essentially your your number two receiver, like is he that just replaceable yeah. that he's in tier three? Well, it's 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 difficult with him. He's not like a high end wide receiver too, where you're like he's a core part of the offense that's going to get ten targets a game or whatever. Like a like, right, you know, like he's a, a wide receiver too, but he's like right? an offensive target seven. <laughs> like, well, yeah, and it's like I think he could easily be one of the top five targets on the field, but with him, it's he's going to be blocking a lot and he's going to be right. playing a lot so like he is important I, and i and you know you saw with the raiders last year they needed him to be an actual wide receiver too and he was he handled yeah. it you know he caught a ton of passes showed what he could do had has had this sort of late career renaissance and proven that he's someone who can be leaned on as a a functional piece of an offense you know more of like a wide re- wide receiver three level production but in atlanta he's just going to be an outside blocker where he was i think the best blocking wide receiver according to pff or something like that he was and up there Smith yeah. is gonna love that like i mean this man is gonna be pancaking corners like i mean it, he's huge. <laughs> he's basically a tight yeah. end i mean you see him next to drake little and they look like they were walking out of the tunnel before minicamp today you see the shot of them and they're the same height like they look exactly the same so i think not only is he uh, gonna be out on the field on most on most plays you know, 70 plus percent like a Drake London. He's also probably going to be Drake London's primary backup. So if Drake London has to miss time, it's going to be Hollins is playing that role. But I think they're also going to play a lot together because the Falcons are going to be like, we're going to just do the skyscraper thing. We're going to have, you know, Hollins and, and Drake and Kyle Pitts and just make people miserable. So I, he's important. But again, it's it's one of those things where he's not like a T Higgins wide receiver too. Right, like, right, right. Your number two target um, and you're going to be in a really bad place if he has to miss time where I think you can 
you can get by if Kaderil Hodge had to come in and be that outside guy behind Hollins. Yeah. Um, but it's not going to be, the blocking's not going to be as good and the receiving's not going to be as good. So you can survive that more than you can survive the loss of like London or one of these other guys. But um, important, important enough to be in tier three. And I agree. And I think that, um, you know, you're totally right to say that the upside is there. You know, he he did do it last year when he was called upon and he kind of he and Johnu Smith fit this category where they're probably going to get forgotten by a lot of defenses and they are absolutely more than capable of making a defense pay when they do forget about them. Like I could see Johnu Smith being the type of player who has seven touchdown catches this season. Yeah, and it's kind of last year with Smith. Yeah. Yeah, and and it's just kind of like okay, he has 423 yards and and nine touchdowns or eight touchdowns or what. And it's just like, oh, wow. You know who's interesting on the fantasy waiver wires each and every week is Johnny Smith because teams just are going to be focused on these kind of like twin pillars and Kyle Pitts and Drake London and then B. John Robinson in the backfield and everything you present there that you've got a Matt Collins where, yeah, he's probably just getting like four or five targets a game but he can maximize those in really interesting ways. And he does all the other things, the little things that you have to do in this offense at a very high level. And that's where you find value in, in the market in, in the off season. And that's something that the Falcons, I think continue to do really well. Now they just have to uh, get the most out of it. So let's get out of here. Uh, before we do, let's do our final tier. Didn't mean for that to rhyme. Um, I can't stop. Help me, Kevin. This is a curse. <laughs> <laughs> so tier four is there such thing as good grief. Just ask Charlie Brown defined by, you know, you hate to see any injury happen, but it's an opportunity where maybe this player was kind of getting an opportunity of their own. And I think you could label a lot of the players that we've mentioned beforehand. If they get hurt, it's always an opportunity for anybody else. But these were kind of like bottom of the roster guys, and it could provide an opportunity for somebody else. At least that's how I I viewed it or like bottom rotational starters. And so then mm-hmm. all right, a special teams player like a Dorian Etheridge, it's a chance if, if somebody gets hurt, like that type of stuff. So not as big a list for me here, but Kevin, yeah. you want to start yeah. off and, and tell me yours and then I can tell you mine. Yeah. I mean, I just had other wide receivers written down here. Like, sure. <laughs> like yep. all the I've other got, wide receivers. I've got like, Scotty like, Miller yeah. and Frank Darby. Yeah. yeah. Um, I have Bud Dupree on here. I do like Dupree. I think that he has a chance to. to wow. So I have silly. him in tier two because I just think. You have him in two? Wow. Yeah. yeah. I, I, again, I, I just think the team's going to be anywhere in there. Like, I think honestly, right. he could end up being a starter or like just like barely playing because of the rotation. Like one of these guys, like I could see Angelo it, yeah. Malone, Lorenzo Carter or Bud Dupree. One of these guys is barely going to play. I don't know which one. You know, I, think I just see to me, Bud Dupree's just a different animal than those two well, guys. Like, really I think good, he can play he on the ground. I think yeah, he can put his yes. hand on the dirt more than Lorenzo yeah, Carter yeah. can, but more than those other two guys. Yeah. So I, it, that's one of the more interesting ones, I think. Um, yeah. But like, I, it's not like meant as Bud Dupree disrespect. But at, at this point, I just don't know, like, who is going to be playing for sure or not. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I have Michael Walker in here. I, I don't. The linebackers coach is the same, and we know Michael Walker lost favor. You know, right. Frank Bush is still here. Yep. Um, now it's a different coordinator and a different scheme, so maybe Walker's a better fit for this scheme. They obviously kept him around. Um, but I think my gut tells me that like one of the three expensive guys in Hawkins, Michael Walker, or Matt Hennessy is probably gone. I don't know which one. Early on, I thought it was going to be more Walker. 
then when we heard like Mike, Mike Abernathy was getting snaps maybe over Jalen Hawkins early in in the OTAs, I was like, maybe it's going to be Hawkins, but that's why I have Walker and Hawkins in tier four. Um, I think both are like decent depth guys. Like I don't have I really think, a problem I with I think them. you're on to something yeah. here though. I think that this is going to be those guys in particular. And I think Matt Hennessy is in a better spot. Um, yeah, than, I think Hennessy's probably safe. Yeah, yeah. But it, it'll be the first chance I think that this organization has to like send that message to the rest of the other draftees under the Arthur Smith and Terry Fontenot regime that it's like, yep, we're serious about this performance shit. Like you gotta, yeah. it doesn't matter when we draft you, it doesn't too. matter. Yes, yeah. like you've got to come out here. We're going to give you chances. We're going to give you opportunities, but you got to perform or, or you're not going to be around. And I, I think that, yeah. you know, guys like Michael Walker and, and Jalen Hawkins who have had, you know, prominent yeah. roles, starting roles for portions of, of seasons in, in recent years. Yeah, they could be shown the door if they don't perform well this season. So they should they should get uh, kind of a fire lit under them. But Michael Walker is definitely in tier four for me as well. Yeah, yeah. So it's like, I yeah, it's basically what I what I think about Walker is like, you know, is he going to be good enough to win that spot? Or are they just going to sign a veteran um, for cheaper than what Michael Walker is making? That might be a better overall player. Um, Michael Walker was good in coverage, but his run defense was not good. And, and they're going to be playing these light boxes and they're going to be needing their linebackers to tackle. Um, so you know that could be tough for him. We'll see. You know, Hawkins. Hawkins, I think, is safer just because. He's not someone who's ever, I thought, been bad. I think he doesn't have like a high level of play where you're right. like, oh, this guy's out here making all these plays. But at, he was never like someone that you saw in the field on Sundays and was like, oh, get this guy out of here. It was like he, yeah. he was good. So I think he's a perfect like fourth safety, third safety type of guy that yeah. is you he feel very comfortable with. Different yeah. player, but like, could he just be a Kamal Ishmael that you just kind of keep around right. for like right. seven years? Yeah, he yeah, could. Could be. Yeah. Um, and then I had Mike Hughes on here too, who, it pains me because UCF legend Mike Hughes. And maybe now that he's the maybe going to be the primary punt returner, he would move up a, a spot. Yeah, I've got him in tier um, three. Yeah, so that that might be an, an argument for him to be higher. But with Clark Phillips in here, I think he's maybe a little bit more replaceable because they if they want Phillips to play the slot, um, they they have a guy maybe behind Phillips that they didn't have before. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think you could put a lot of the, the corners in here. Like Der- uh, I've Darren got tier Hall four. I've got Phillips, and, yeah. Darren Hall and D Alford as, as just kind of like one blanket that, because that's where I'm talking about yeah. with like opportunity is if one of those right. guys gets hurt, then D Alford gets more snaps because Darren Hall's not in there yeah. or vice yeah. versa or, you know, whatever. Mm-hmm. So yeah, definitely yeah. on there. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I, I don't know if I had any of these other guys on here. Did you have Ryan Nizel on your list? No, Noozle. I love, I love Noozle. Sorry, I, Noozle. Yeah, no, it's yeah. okay. No, I, I no, only I, know because, because, because Arthur Smith. Yeah. That yeah. Was, I <laughs> so love I like, that okay, story. I know. Yeah. I know. Yeah. I, man, I can't believe I just got that wrong because when I heard that, I was like, damn, I want to, want to talk to him about that. <laughs> I'm um, on the podcast, yeah, okay, Ryan Noozle. The whole podcast over. Yeah, I know. He's not going to come on now because I got his name wrong. Yeah. Oh. Insulted him. All right. No, I, I, yeah, I, I do. I did have Noozle making the roster when I did my first projection um, as the final guy because I, they cross-trade him at center, and we know he can play guard. Yeah. He's consistently, over the last two preseasons, been like the guy on the second and third offensive line that has been like good. Like, oh, everybody else, it might be like falling apart, but like Newsel is actually good, and he's holding his own. So they brought yeah. in a lot of competition. It's going to be tough for him to make it. You know, they, Jovan Gwynn, they brought in. He's going to be playing center now. Um, they got 
Kyle Hinton, who they seem to like. They've got Justin Schaefer. Maybe Jalen Mayfield's not in the picture there anymore because he's playing tackle again, which what what an odyssey for, for Jalen Mayfield. <laughs> but um, he did not make my list. Um, but yeah, I, I think, you know, those types of guys, I think you could put, you know, a depth center guard, somebody, whoever you think is going to make it in that sort of ranking too. But um, yeah, I think those those guys are all uh, interesting, but I, I don't know how vital any like single one of them is. Yeah, I, I, I think that's totally spot on. And I kind of had him in there because of, like you mentioned, just that cross training, that versatility does seem like he's he could be that kind of first man beyond the obvious guys, beyond your Matt Hennessy. I will see where Jalen Mayfield slots in, but like he's at that level to me um, a little bit. So we'll see. But I mean, we're getting to the point of the year where all of this is going to be so outdated as soon as they all hit the field for training camp. Um, I was going to ask us to read through our tiers one more time just for the audience. Um, However, what I'm going to do is I'm going to put them up at the tail end of our YouTube video, just up on the screens. Uh, So Kevin, if you will send me your list uh, so I can make sure to do that. And then while everybody is reading the uh, the beautiful tiers that are showing in front of you right now, Kevin, do you just have any final thoughts on this exercise on on these tiers? Are there any players that we didn't get to that you wanted to kind of talk about from an injury perspective? Um, Obviously not wishing any injury or anything like that, (laughs) but just like, I guess the opportunity cost of them being gone type of thing. Yeah. I mean, I think it was, it's interesting um, that there are, I think quite a few key players. And I think one of the things we'll see in going forward is that maybe we'll be able to lower some guys from tier one because the depth improves. I think right now I have so many guys in tier one, they guys, because there's just like at tackle in particular, I don't have a lot of faith in anyone behind the current starters. And that scares me. Um, And then, you know, at wide receiver, I like Mac Hollins, but there's really no high end talent there outside of Drake London, you know, same thing with, with tight end it's Kyle Pitts and then Johnny Smith, but that's a very different style of player. So they're just thin at some of those spots right now. And that's part of what's going on with this roster. It's just, this is like year three of the rebuild. I think now they actually have the high end talent and now it's about filling in that like second tier talent. Um, And I think once you get there, you might be able to lower some of these guys into that second tier because the depth is better. But right now it's, it's still what I would call a pretty fragile roster in terms of being like a real contender. I think there's like a path for they could thread the needle and actually be an NFC contender this year. Um, if a lot of things hit and go right and, you know, spoiler alert, when we do our next show together, we might get into some of the players that might make that happen. Um, some of which we talked about today, obviously, but yeah, you know, I, I, I think right now there's a lot of guys that could sort of derail this team from being an actual contender and put them into more of just like a, a rising team. I think a mm-hmm. lot would have to go wrong for this team to not eclipse their win total from last year. I think they're just so much better overall that they could probably weather the storm quite a bit and still get into a, a good number of wins, hopefully crest that winning season mark, you know. Um, yep. But for them to be a contender, I think a lot has to go right um, because the, the roster is thin and there's a lot of question marks, but they've added a lot of high level talent that there are questions around. We talked about Jeff Kuda. We talked about, you know, Ellis and, and Troy Anderson. Um, there's guys like Eddie Eddie Goldman coming back that, you know, he could be 
a key to their run defense being really good, or he could not make the roster. We just have no idea. Like Jeff Akuda, <laughs> yeah. Jeff Akuda could be a great corner across from right. Terrell, or he could not, or Clark Phillips could beat him out in camp, you know, somehow. Like who knows? Um, High level of variability. Yeah. Yeah. So it, that's why I think I have more of the tier one guys because I think there's there's a lot more that could go wrong with this current construction. But I, I think in years going forward, we'll probably get to more of a core where we can afford to weather some more injuries. But right now, it's pretty fragile. Please go follow him on Twitter at Falcala Kevin. Please go follow the Dirty Birds and Brews podcast at Falcolic Live. While you're at it, go ahead and follow me at Will McFadden. Kevin Knight, thank you uh, so much for joining me on the podcast. And everybody, please look out for part two over on, on your sometime soon. But uh, thanks again, man. Yep, you're welcome. Thanks for having me. All right. Thanks again to Kevin Knight for to joining today's podcast. Please head over to your YouTube channel if you had not had the chance to check that out. We're going to you know, do some interesting little visual flares over there to make it a little bit different. Um, but of course, please let everybody know where they can find the podcast. If you like me like to listen to your podcast in audio format and they can get a Spotify, Apple, anywhere you get your podcast. It's honestly that easy. Just search Believe in Falcons. Um, coming up soon, going to be a lot more of this, a lot more creativity, going to try to get some big interviews on the books as well over this dead period. I want to just talk to as many people, former players, current players, coaches, all that good stuff um, over the coming weeks. So we're going to just try to have a nice, good mix of Falcons content for you. But again, you can follow me on Twitter at Will McFadden. Um, today's podcast, as they all are, was presented by Bet Online. I believe that's it. That's all I got for you guys. So please enjoy the rest of the week. Until next time, take care. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.